You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. And I am your host, Rick Franzi. We're going to have a great conversation today and a good show and hope you'll enjoy it. Why are we going to have such a great show? Because we have a great guest. Carl Orsborn is our guest, and he's the Chief Operating Officer and Co-Founder for Juicer. Carl, welcome to the program. Thank you, Rick. Great to be here. Appreciate you having me on. Not only are you an entrepreneur, you're a published author. So let's get started today talking about your latest book and what are the big ideas contained in it. The book is titled Delivering the Digital Restaurant. Yes, Delivering the Digital Restaurant. Look, I have a copy here in front of me. It's uh. It's, it's been a labor of love, Rick. The, the writing a book, for those of your listeners that have written, they'll understand. It goes, for me, I'd say the, uh, the big lesson here for me is if there's ever another pandemic, writing a book is a great pastime because mm. if you ever get writer's block, you've got nowhere to go, right? You just have to keep writing. But the other beautiful thing about it is when you research it, you've got all the various different folks that you need to speak to available because they're also stuck at home. So the book really came out of the pandemic and really for myself, um, just before I started writing, uh, I was over at Kitchen United, another Southern California based company, which is a ghost kitchen company where myself and my co-author spent pretty much the, the time speaking to every big major restaurant chain across the US, as well as a number of independents. And what we saw in those conversations were the struggles that restaurateurs were having with digitization, the rise of off-premise, you know, food to go, delivery food, and just the challenges that it means to their business model. And I was driving back uh, with Meredith, my co-author, and I said, it would be great if we could give these guys a book just to help them understand what's going on. And she went, great idea, Carl. Go on to Amazon and get them. I went, fine. <laughs> and then, of course, what happens Rick, when you go on to something and you, you can't find it? Well, we couldn't find the book. And so after we left Kitchen United, we said, well, look, now is time. We have to write this. And so really what the book is trying to do, the, the, the idea behind it and the big idea is to say, this is just repeating history. Everything we saw in retail 20 years ago, when the re retailers had to accommodate e-commerce, is happening in restaurants. And mm. uh, Bill Gates said it best about um, digital adoption over the course of COVID. You know, he said... You know, we've had about 10 to 15 years of digital adoption speed up into two years over the course of the pandemic. And now every restaurant owner operator across the U.S., across the world has had to really get with the times, if you will, and to be able to understand not only why to be excited about the potential of digitization, but also to see that actually it can be something that's really going to create an even better guest experience. So let's talk a little bit more about the content of the book and maybe the, what you mean by the digital restaurant. So it sounds like to me a, a part of it is interfacing with third party delivery services. But are there back office requirements? And do you talk about that in the digital restaurant beyond kind of the customer facing aspects of a restaurant? Yes, we do. I mean, we try to talk about it in, in the overall ecosystem of what it takes to have food, leave a restaurant and turn up at a customer's door three, four miles away. And that is obviously a fundamentally different operational component. So there's operational aspects in the book, their marketing, digital marketing aspects. Even I went and became a DoorDash driver. So I was going around, <laughs> uh, where was it? So, so Newport Coast, driving and delivering nice. food and just, you know, seeing the experience. And guess what? 
Rick. The the fact is, is that restaurants don't treat don't create a particularly nice environment for drivers. Um, and so I felt quite intimidated by doing that. But it was great because then when I was able to put those ideas into the book and say, look, drivers, for all intents and purposes, are the equivalent of your server today. They are your brand extension. Mm -hmm. They don't report into you, but they're your, your brand extension. It really just shines a light on how you have to rethink the way in which delivery works different on-premise food. So not to get too deep into the nuts and bolts of it, but as there are multiple delivery services that a client could choose, do they show up differently to the restaurant tour as far as fulfilling that demand? Well, uh, as you say rightly at, at the start, there are third parties, the DoorDash, the Uber Eats, the Grubhubs. They have great reach to customers. They offer a relatively similar interface, but not every restaurant needs to be on each of them. I often mm. recommend that they are. But the challenge is this. If you were to speak to any restaurant owner or operator, big or small, they would say, I have to pay crazy fees to be able to have that privilege. And then I even have to pay even more fees to be able to market my presence to stand out from the thousands of other restaurants out there which is why in the book we talk about the importance of creating your own e-commerce channel, your own direct ordering channel. Mm -hmm. And that's great because not only do you avoid the fees, you also are then able to get um, to what uh, a CMO that I was speaking to over uh, in, in Saudi Arabia recently, he said to me, Carl, the new oil is customer data, which I loved as a line. You know, the new oil is customer data. And in this context, being able to understand who your customers are and to be able to build a profile of them allows you then to service them across all channels, not just for delivery, but also for on-premise when customers come to visit. Imagine, Rick, if you and your partner were to go out for a meal and you always buy the same Cabernet Sauvignon and we find out that your partner's vegan in some way. Well, imagine then for every interaction following that, the system remembers that you love Cabernet Sauvignon and you have a vegan partner. Now, those kind of components are what digitization can offer because you have a better appreciation of who your customer is. It's sort of like the the family restaurant where everybody knows you and they know what your preferences are, only you're making it in the digital world, that relationship. Yeah, because if, if your spouse is a vegan and they offer her a pork chop as a special, that would probably seem insensitive at the very least. Totally. Right. Absolutely. That's it's great. a fascinating area. And uh, restaurants are learning quickly and hopefully the book uh, Delivering the Digital Restaurant helps them on that journey. And we're writing another one as well, by the way. We're, we're writing one about oh. the path to digital maturity because now that we're coming out of the pandemic, restaurants have had to adapt. You know, through the, through the pandemic, it was like spray and pray, do whatever you can to stay open. Right. And now it's a case of, okay, we believe that this is the direction we're heading, but how do I understand what to do first? You know, I've gone to most of the major restaurant conferences across the country and a few internationally as well to speak and to be able to see what restaurants are saying. And when you see the independent restaurant owner operator walk into these big conference hall, it's like a it's like deer in the headlights. Like I'm here, I know I should be here, but where do I start? And so this this new book, which comes out in the winter, is hopefully going to help them understand. It's okay, take the right kind of pace, take the right kind of direction, and you'll get there. You don't have to have everything overnight, and your your guests will accommodate that. One final question, at least for me, on the book. I'm I'm wondering, you know, what the state of today with the delivery services in the restaurant, that's an evolution. It's probably not the end point. And I'm just wondering, did you gain any insight potentially into what's next for restaurants as far as the digital restaurant goes? Yes. Um, in fact, we we expected that question to come. And we the very last 
chapter of the book, we asked each one of those 100 people we interviewed, what does this industry look like in 2030? You know, what's, if you were to look into your crystal ball, what happens? And there are a few themes that came up. Um, one was around uh, the, the fact that there needs to be more automation, not in the sense of flying drones and autonomous vehicles, which you know, <laughs> will, have, will have their place, they will yeah. have their place, but even in the things like smart ovens and how, like in the way I characterized earlier with data, you to be able to inform your operation in far slicker and quicker manners. There were components around that. There were components around sustainability. How can you address uh, better packaging so that actually you've got more of an environment, environmental impact? And I think the, the other side of it is that, and we, we touch on this in the, in the second book a little bit, is that we're going to move towards something which we call holistic technology. So if you can imagine, there's all these different technology companies out there right now doing everything from smart scheduling to ingredient consolidation. So you've got great inventory management practices to, yes, the, the digital ordering and digital loyalty platforms. But the problem, Rick, is that none of them talk to each other. They mm -hmm. don't talk to each other in a, in a great way. And so holistic technology, we think, is going to be a world where all of these things start to play together nicely. So how could that play out? Um, that could play out in, let's say you and I are, are a couple of cooks and one of us calls out for the evening. Well, that's going to have an impact to our capacity throughput of how many dishes we can cook for that restaurant tonight. So how does that piece of information go through to the amount of tables that are going to be able to be served by the servers through to even perhaps the price of the dish that is being uh, put out there for people to have delivered? Maybe the price goes up because actually the supply, the ability to create that dish has been compromised by one of us being off ill. That's a way of technology talking to each other to actually help the operation become slicker. This is so cool. I wish we had more of a focus and we'll have to have you back when the next book comes out, Carl, if you're interested, because sure. as, you're, as you're talking, it really reminds me that a restaurant is really a manufacturing site. They just happen to be producing food. And there's a lot of automation that's gone into the manufacturing process across the country, both for small manufacturers and obviously the large players. It feels like that wave is about to maybe happen in the restaurant industry as well. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Okay, so let's let's turn our attention to now as you as an entrepreneur. Can you discuss with me as a co-founder what your motivation was to launch Juicer? Yeah, so the, the great thing about writing a book like I've just written is you get to meet all these great entrepreneurs that are trying to change and support the restaurant industry. And I've always had a great um, affinity to entrepreneurs, whether it be back in my days with BP and the A&P and brand and helping franchisees grow their business, I always respected the entrepreneurial spirit. And so I've always wanted to transition my career in that direction. So after I left BP in 2018, I got into Kitchen United up in Pasadena, which was, um, I think at the time, a Google venture back company as I was about employee 15 or 16, I think. And I loved the energy. I love the energy of every single member of the team, from the CEO all the way through to the most junior member of the team. They were all passionate about the product. And so it was great to be able to get that initial experience of what it's like to come in at that stage. But I've always had this drive and desire, even from my early 20s, to be able to uh, build my own business. And you know, I've been able to do the other three things I want to do in my 20s. One was do an exec MBA, and the other was work overseas. So I've done those two. But I always wanted to get into this space. And so, funnily enough, the book led me in this direction, Rick, because my other co-founders, Ashwin Kamalani and, uh, and Drew Patterson, who are former entrepreneurs, you know, one was the former CMO of Kayak, the founding CMO of Kayak, the other uh, for a company that has now been acquired by Cognitive, 
came from the travel and hospitality sectors, where they saw a lot of the, the trends of digitization affect hotels and airlines. And they were wanting to learn more about restaurants, and they read my book. So they reached out and they said, Carl, we'd love to chat to you about your book. We really found it interesting. Um, and so that's what we did. And I said, well, what are you guys doing? Well, we, we, we're creating this idea around dynamic pricing for restaurants. And I was like, well, that's fascinating. And you know, from there, I kept asking more and more questions. And you know, I became part of the founding team as, as their COO from that point. Because every conference I go to, Rick, every conference, you'll always hear someone say, well, guys, we're, we're in the early innings of change. And if I continue the baseball analogy a little bit, well, I think dynamic pricing is the second innings of change. I think it's, it's this next level of what we have seen work in other industries that have been impacted by marketplaces, you know, like the Expedias and the Kayaks in the form of restaurants and the DoorDashes and the Uber Eats. And where does that evolve to? It, it evolves to more direct ordering channels. It evolves to better loyalty programs and it evolves to dynamic pricing. And no matter which way you put it, this growing channel of off-premise is still a margin compromised channel. It's still a channel that really is difficult to make money on unless you're really slick at the way in which you work things. Now, dynamic pricing is something that can actually not only help address and optimize your margins as a restaurateur, it can also improve the customer experience. You might go, well, hold on, hold on a second, Carl. What, what do you mean by that? Right. <laughs> and, I, and I would put this to you in the sense that there are, there are restaurants, um, some very close to you and I here in Orange County, that on a busy Friday night will turn off their door, digital ordering channels because they're too busy, mm. which for me as a customer is an awful experience. It's them basically saying, I'm not open. And you'd never do that in a physical setting. You'd invite them to the bar. You'd hand them a menu. You'd tell them it's a 10, 15-minute wait. In the off-premise world, that doesn't happen. So imagine if you were able to quench some of that demand by charging 50, 60, 70 cents more an item. Maybe that would be something that would actually then say, well, I really want to eat from this restaurant tonight, and I am willing to pay the extra 50 cents an item. Hmm. Similarly, what if you are a value-orientated customer and you're willing to actually pre-order your food if you are given, given a discount? So maybe it's 4 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon and you're thinking you want some Italian tonight from North Italia. Well, imagine, Rick, if then I say, well, great. If you tell me what you'd like and you're willing to have it delivered to you at 5.30 as opposed to 6.30, I'll give you a dollar off. That's what dynamic pricing can mm. offer to restaurants, which can therefore address volume and improve volume, utilize the capacity, as you say, about like a factory. You know, it allows you to utilize the, the, the factory more effectively. And similarly, it can allow, allow you to grow your margins at the same time. So it sounds like Juicer is a technology platform, then. That's right. Yeah, for all intents and purposes, it's an algorithm. It's an algorithm that's been proven to work. You know, my co-founders have built this before for hotels, so we know it works. And it's just applying it now to a restaurant menu as opposed to a suite of different rooms. So how has it been in meeting with restaurateurs about this idea? Yeah, so I was anticipating quite a bit of challenge. I was anticipating quite a bit of challenge. <laughs> but you know what? There's only been one franchisee in Atlanta that has said, nope, doesn't make sense. Huh. Everyone else has really received it very positively, which I think is, is pleasantly surprising. Um, and I think there is clearly a lot of curiosity out there. This isn't something that someone that's just getting started in this space should uh, really explore. This is for folks that are slightly further along that digital maturity curve. 
But those that are, are starting to realize that, yes, this is worth exploring. So where we are on our journey, you know, we're, we're less than a year old, but what, where we are is testing with major groups with thousands of locations, as well as independents across Orange County and San Diego, as well as places like in Australia and Saudi Arabia. We've got customers dotted all over the place where we're deploying this algorithm and that algorithm is basically telling us when we should have prices at different levels. Mm-hmm. And we're using these demand flows to help us determine determine that. And, you know, we, it's a bit too early for me to share any uplift numbers with you right now. I can obviously come back and share with you on, on my next visit to the show. But it, it's it's been really quite encouraging to be able to say that we think this is something that customers ultimately will hardly even notice because we're not talking about seismic changes. We're talking about very subtle changes at the right time. So two follow-on questions, if I may. One, very simply, how much are the lessons of other industries and sectors with dynamic pricing informing what you're actually seeing happening happening with the restaurateurs? That's that's the first question. Are you able to lean on what has happened in the travel industry to demonstrate to restaurateurs what's going to happen for them as well? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, we're, we're able to lean on it, but I think we also want to be very mindful of understanding where there are differences. Uh, so, for example, uh, one difference that we sometimes will talk about is capacity. In a, re- in, in a hotel, you know how many rooms you have, right? right? So when you've got 10 rooms left versus 50 rooms, you might treat that differently. How does a restaurant do that? Well, a restaurant shouldn't do it by the amount of tables that are left open. Um, and in an off-premise context, which of course we're trying to drive our initial focus, any form of digital orientated menu, um, you also don't know how many folks you can deliver to. And so in that sense, it's more about the throughput rate of the kitchen. How many dishes can the factory produce? Right. And the, when you've got an appreciation of that, you've got an appreciation of capacity. So there are, there are ways in which to be able to bring some of the principles across from the world of hotels into restaurants, but there are also some subtle differences as well. And what I will tell you is, is that, you know, I used to price gasoline for the UK BP business back in the day, which is the most political job of my life, I'll tell you, because everyone has an opinion on gas prices. Um, but the thing I would tell you is that every product has an elasticity rating. Every product has, is slightly more mm. elastic than others. And what we're going to do is help restaurants understand where their elasticities are. There'll be some products that are inelastic. There'll be other products that are more so. And it's then about leveraging that to be able to optimize from there. And then the other question in this area, very simply, Carl, is uh, adjusting consumers' behavior. Is that are there lessons to be learned from the travel industry on how you can influence the consumer towards where you want them to go to ultimately optimize the profit for the restaurant? I think part of that depends on the level to which the restaurant wants, wishes to communicate that they are accommodating different types of pricing into their menu. The best way of ex- explaining that is like a happy hour, Rick, right? So mm-hmm. happy hour is a way of you being able to say, we're going to have a different price during this particular window. And I'm going to tell you about it in advance so that you can come in and buy whatever you want at a much lower price. Restaurants may well embrace that idea, but they might actually do it through push messaging through their digital apps, for example. They might not be something that you'll see as a sign as you walk into the restaurant. Um, Similarly, there may be messaging that restaurants help help customers almost move with the times with this as well in helping them understand why perhaps the prices are a little higher at different times. And I think if I was to talk very generically for a moment, I think customers are now getting to a place where they expect delivered food to be of a higher quality, whether mm-hmm. that be in terms of the accuracy of the order, 
the quality and the temperature of the order, and certainly the speed at which things come to them. And guess what? They are already accepting it today because DoorDash and Uber Eats do dynamic pricing themselves. They do it in the sense of saying, <laughs> they, do it, they do it because they say, I'll, I'll charge you an extra $3 if you want your food in 20 minutes as opposed to the published 35 minutes. And customers are doing it. In fact, there's a survey I saw last week which said something like 40% of customers embrace the idea of, of, of taking that just to get the food a little bit faster. Yeah, time and is then, money. And then the last thing I'd share with you, I was on a podcast last week with a company called Medallia who surveyed um, 2,000 customers and they said 73% of them really embrace the idea of dynamic pricing. So I think customers are actually going to be in a place where they go, you know what, this, this actually could be worth it. That's exciting. We're definitely going to have to have you back, Carl. You know, as an entrepreneur, I'm wondering where, where are you going to get the insights and experiences that are helping you as you're scaling and growing your firm? Well, as part of what I do, Rick, I also run a podcast myself called The Monday Minute. Um, and The Monday Minute is a 10-minute podcast, no guests. It's just where my co-author and I talk about five headlines on what's mm. happening in restaurants, off-premise, and technology. And so what that means is I have to have my ear pretty close to the ground, a finger on the pulse on everything that's happening in our, in our space. And so restaurant business, um, business insider, all these kind of platforms, um, for example, there's, a, there's lots of folks that I use, the, the Google alerts, which draw me attention to certain things happening in certain geographies. All of those things come in and we basically curate what we're going to talk about on our podcast. So that certainly helps. But quite honestly, beyond that, and the advice I'd give to others that are in the industry is attending the conferences where you can meet other people. The conferences and the show that they put on are great, but it's the people that you get to meet along the way. And obviously through writing the book and now with Juicer, I've got quite a large network through LinkedIn that I can keep a finger and a pulse close to, if you will. And I think that really helps me feel like I know what's happening and can hopefully share that with those that listen to me. Excellent. Let's turn our attention to tomorrow, Carl. What's the vision for Juicer? We're going to have you back in a couple of years and you're going to be talking about how Juicer has transformed something or done something. What do you see it doing? Well, I think the vision is, is that most restaurants are going to be using dynamic pricing. You know, there will be some which will utilize companies like ours. There will be others that, you know, build it in-house themselves. But I do think what we'll find is that dynamic pricing will just be the expected norm. Much like when you and I book a flight tomorrow, it'll be exactly the same when it comes to ordering food. And so our expectation is, is that this seamlessly moves in to the way in which restaurants and their pricing work together. Most restaurateurs today really struggle with pricing their food. They have a margin aspiration in their mind where their costs go up, they increase their prices. We're saying we can do that better. And the more restaurant owner operators that can actually embrace that idea, the better. And I think that is what we're going to see a few years from now. And uh, hopefully when I come back and tell you about the numbers of those that are working with us, I'll uh, have a good story to share. Yeah, that's fantastic. That plate of lasagna is more valuable at 7.30 than it is at 5.30 to the consumer and how do you get that relationship? That's fantastic. If someone would like to connect with you on LinkedIn or learn more about Juicer, how do they do it, Carl? Well, uh, LinkedIn, go to, to my my URL, linkedin.com forward slash I-N forward slash C-A-R-L-O-R-S-B-O-U-R-N. It's a weird surname, Rick, as we were discussing in the pre-show. Um, of course, you can go to my website, uh, learn.delivery, www.learn.delivery to learn more about the book and the podcast itself. And if you are in the restaurant industry and you'd like to talk dynamic pricing, then head to juicerpricing.com and uh, myself or a member of the team will be happy to have a chat. Well, thank you for your time today. I thoroughly enjoyed it.
Thanks very much, Rick. I'd like to thank the audience, too. You've been a part of Orange County's longest-running business talk show. Carl's episode was episode number 1,403 in our catalog. If you're an Orange County entrepreneur and you would like to tell your story, then connect with me on LinkedIn or visit my website. They're both the same. Rick, R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And until next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Thank you.